This is the Game of Codes on the Raw Show's biggest sporting debate. Jeff is across the weekend. The Australian cricket team retained the Ashes for the first time in 18 years. Unbelievable. Yeah, first time they've done it in England since 2001 and uh, a, a tremendous accomplishment by Tim Payne and his side. Can't wait to dissect it all with cricket expert at theraw.com.au, Mr. Glenn Mitchell. How are you, mate? Oh, I'm very well. I think with every test match that passes, the argument as to who's second best Bradman becomes a little bit irrelevant, I think. It's obsolete. <laughs> doesn't it? Doesn't it ever? Uh, let's jump into this. So Joe Root, after we won the fourth test, Hess had this to say at his press conference. And you look at a couple of the test matches and there's been one guy that's probably been the difference and, and uh, that's, that's probably what's uh, cost us the, the end this time round. Is Joe Root correct in saying the reason we have retained the Ashes, potentially going to win them, that Steve Smith is on our team and not theirs, Glenn? I think you could quite rightly say that. I mean, our bowling was very, very good. There's no doubt about that. And in particular, Cummins and then Hazelwood when he came into the team. But, you know, it's remarkable. I put out a tweet earlier um, after the match had finished. I mean, Warner averaged 10, Bancroft 11, Harris 11 and a half, Kawaja 20, Wade 25, Head 27, and we've retained the Ashes. I mean, purely and simply on the back of Smith's batting, allied to Labuschagne at times, and some very good bowling. But really, it's pretty hard beyond Smith and Labuschagne to see any batsman that has contributed of note. So you would really surmise that if Smith was playing in for the three lines on the front of his vest, that maybe England would have actually been in the reverse situation that they find themselves now. He's a freak. That's a, that's a nightmarish scenario to try and picture. Steve Smith batting for England. No, thank you. Um, he's undoubtedly been the main difference between the two sides. And I think, you know, is he if he's on the other team, England win. There's not much doubt about that. But that also goes for most top-tier players on whatever t- team, whatever sport you're talking about. If you take the best players out of the equation, yeah, the result's probably going to be different. And there have been a number of other factors uh, which Joe Root has glossed over there. One, I would say, which has been quite significant is Joe Root's captaincy. I think particularly in the fourth test, he was out-captained by Tim Payne, who had a very good day, particularly on the the last day of the match. Um, And I, I would also say that Pat Cummins and Josh Hazelwood have been better than England's best two bowlers as well. I mean, Cummins in particular, he how he only got three wickets in that first innings at, at Manchester, how he's not got a five for against England ever. I mean, it's, it's quite remarkable, really, but he was superb. And Josh Hazelwood, um, I think we're all forgetting that he was not included in the first test, and there were question marks about whether he should come in for the second test, and he has been superb since then. So I think St- Steve Smith's obviously the main reason why Australia have won, but... There are some other ones in there, particularly Joe Root's captaincy, I don't think has been up to scratch. And I think also we sort of forget, and, and you know, with the injuries and with the, the massive emergence of Pat Cummins, it was only a few years ago that Hazelwood was actually ranked the number one test bowler in the world. And yes, he's had injuries and he went off the boil, and even before his most recent injury, which kept him out of the World Cup, his previous two series he'd been averaging in the mid-30s and looked to be a shadow of his former self. But he's obviously injury-free now. He likes the Duke's ball. He hits the seam upright. Uh, he had some pitches over there with some favourable lateral movement. But yeah, pretty quickly, I think with the emergence of Cummins and, you know, averaging 21, a strike rate well under 50, ranked number one in the world, we probably overlooked the fact that, you know, not that long ago, Hazelwood was actually at the top of the tree and he's shown why over these three test matches that he's played. They've both been superb, really, but also Australia's 
Australia's depth in their bowling attack has also been better than England's. I think, you know, Jofra Archer has, is obviously outstanding in two of the test matches, and I think Stuart Broad um, has probably been a bit underrated in his contribution mm. so far. I think he's been fantastic. But you get to that third seamer, and Chris Wokes wasn't used well enough. Craig Overton didn't offer particularly much at Manchester. And then Jack Leach, um, even though Nathan Lyon has been far from his best, um, Jack Leach and, and Moen Ali have still been you know, considerably outperformed by Australia's spinner as well. So I think the depth of the attack um, is another pretty notable consideration. And keep in mind, um, Peter Siddle and James Pattinson were both overlooked for this last test, and they've been outstanding throughout. Yeah, there's, no, there's no doubt that, that England were cruel, I think, when Anderson went down. Because yes. I mean, Anderson at home, and in fact, Anderson home and away in about the last three calendar years has really been outstanding. And I'm sure when he went down, almost akin a little bit to when Australia lost McGrath, for two tests in 2005. Uh, it would have been interesting to see whether Anderson could have found a way around or through Steve Smith. It's something we're never going to know because he'll never ever play against Smith again, I wouldn't think, again at his age. I'll, I just want to go back to captaincy for one moment because Tim Payne copped a lot of criticism after the third test, and I think deservedly so. He was not good on that final day, but just as he deserved criticism for that day, he deserves a hell of a lot of praise for day five um, at Manchester because I think he was superb. Um, his field placements still occasionally leave something to be decided, um, but he had three bowling changes, which pretty much led directly to wickets, including, of course, bringing Marnus Labuschagne on to get rid of Jack Leach. So, you know, Tim Payne deserves an awful lot of credit. He's done something that neither Michael Clark or Ricky Ponting, who will both be remembered as better captains than Payne, he's managed to win the Ashes on English soil. Neither of those guys did. Uh, that is yeah, all... I think, and I think allied to that, was you've got to think of how he took over the captaincy. I mean, he's done a remarkable job because that was a dysfunctional, broken team after Cape Town, and he's done very, very well. Dysfunctional organisation is what was happening after Cape Town. <laughs> it was absolutely ridiculous. And who would have thought six months ago we'd be talking about this? Uh, this is Game of Codes on the Raw, Australia's biggest sporting debate. We're joined by Glenn Mitchell, cricket expert at theraw.com.au. Now, we're coming in to the fifth test. Uh, Glenn, how should Australia approach this one? Well, it's fascinating what they're going to do at the top of the order. I mean, David Warner is a, a bunny in the headlights when it comes to Stuart Broad at the Isn't moment. He he's ever. changed his batting stance. He's changed where he bats in regard to how far down the pitch. Nothing has worked for him. He's not sure what to leave, what to play. Um, and he's not alone there. Both Harris and Kawaja at the top of the order. The left hand as Broad has been all over them. And Soto, when he's been on song, is Archer. I just wonder whether they would think about giving David Warner a spell. If they do, I would actually bring Bancroft back and try to mix it up by having a, a right and left hand are opening the batting and indeed if it's Harris who gets out first um, then you've got two right handers at the crease with Labuschagne followed by Smith and maybe that will allow Australia to get a platform what will be interesting as well I, I, Cummins will probably play all five test matches now whether they'll look at giving Hazelwood a spell Stark wasn't bad but again on that last day when we expected it perhaps he would wreak havoc through the tail that wasn't the case and it went into the last hour so they'll probably make a change at least one change in the bowling and it will be interesting to see whether Warner does play the last test because at the moment, uh, I can't remember a player bereft of confidence as much as he is at the moment. Glenn, would you pick him yourself? Would you play Warner? I wouldn't. I, no, I would I would actually leave him out to make a statement and I would bring Bancroft back. I guess a lot of people would think Kawaja, but I think bringing a left-hander back in the way Broad is bowling at the moment is fraught with danger. And the other thing is that if we look at the test matches that Bancroft played earlier on, he was averaging 40 deliveries at the crease. So if the other opener averages 40, that's 80 balls. I mean, that's, that's 13 overs before there's a potential 
of a broken partnership. So whilst he didn't score freely, we think that an opener, that's their job at times, to see off the new ball with a bit of spice on a first-day pitch. So I'd actually be going for Bancroft and giving Warner a break. Bancroft's an interesting one because I think... You know, the the stats you raised there, particularly about the amount of time he was spending out in the middle, Glenn, I think that almost raises as many questions about Marcus Harris as it does David Warner. Because what has Marcus Harris brought to the side since since being picked for the third test? He hasn't scored many runs yet. He hasn't got to 20 yet. Um, so I, I think he's under serious pressure to retain his place in the side, particularly, yes, Stuart Broad is bowling outstandingly the left-handers at the moment. But, you know, Usman Khawaja, I would have loved to see him open... Uh, in this fourth test, I, I think there's a good case to be made for bringing him in for the fifth test, just because he adds a adds a bit more class up the top of the order, and he's a far more proven batsman at test level than Harris. The one man who I think is probably going to be a massive beneficiary of this series is Joe Burns. I mean, everybody, including me, was bemused and somewhat surprised coming off 180 against Sri Lanka, and the fact that he's got four test centuries at an average of a tick over 40, didn't get selected in a 17-man squad. But the way things have happened at the top of the order... I would imagine he would only need a moderate to good start uh, for the Shield summer and he will be back in the team. And who knows, against Pakistan and New Zealand have a good attack when you're talking about Bolton Southey. But having been kept away from the Duke's ball uh, in conditions that have favoured the likes of Archer and Broad, uh, who knows, he might actually be the major beneficiary of not having actually been selected for this Ashes squad. I mean, geez, you hope that's the case because he's been horribly hard done by. I reckon Australia's all of Australia's opening batsmen combined in this series would have struggled mm. to make as many runs in the series as Burns did in his last test. Um, well, let's look at it. I mean, if you look at Burns, you've got Harris, Bancroft, Head, um, and Labuschagne. He's made, made more hundreds than those four blokes put together. Yeah. So he is desperately unlucky. Yeah, I, I, I just want to go back and touch on the uh, the point you made about the bowling attack because I. I think it's critically important that Australia do win this match. It's partly to remove any doubt about who the better side is and, mm-hmm. and partly because you just it's a test series. You want to win it. You don't get that many opportunities to win overseas. But um, Pat Cummins is one an minute. interesting one, and I actually wouldn't be that averse to seeing him rested. When he's bowled over 160 overs so far this series, there's a short break between the fourth and fifth tests. You would hate to see him go down with an injury. Such an important um, member of Australia's attack. He'd hate to see him go down with an injury in the final match of a series, which is, you know, unlosable now. So I think, you know, the medical staff are obviously going to have a good idea of where, where he's at and, um, and whether he's, he's safe to play, I guess. But coming off a... He played every game in the World Cup, played every game so far this series, I wouldn't be averse to seeing him rested. If he does get rested, I mean, it's a harsh word to say testimonial, but I'd actually love to see Peter Siddle play the last Test match. I thought he was terrific in the games that he played. He's probably not going to play Test cricket again after this series. I think back in Australia on the harder pitches, they'll be going for Pattinson and Cummins and Stark and Hazelwood. I think it would be very fitting if he is given an opportunity. If there is a window for a bowler to go in, I'd love to see Peter Siddle finish his career potentially over there in the fifth Test. I feel like like we've been saying it's be Peter Siddle's last Test for about five years. He'll probably be at the next. Stashes, Glenn. Oh, I'm looking forward to this last and I agree with both of what you said. You want to win the series. That's what will really jump out on paper at the end of the day to see that they've won the series 3-1. Damn straight we do. This is a game of codes on the Raw Show's biggest sporting debate. We're joined by Glenn Mitchell, cricket expert at theraw.com.au. Thanks for joining us, mate. Get some sleep over the next few days, boys. <laughs> will we'll do. do. On the Raw Game of Codes, Australia's biggest sporting debate.